detailed budget helps you meet that goal and be very conscious. But if you don't always need that, you don't always need the detailed budget. It's okay to think of it in terms of percentages and spending money and having just like a, oh, we can't spend over a thousand dollars on food or else like there's a red flag type situation. Welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast with your host, Jamila Souffrant. As a money expert who walks her talk, she helps brave journeyers like you get out of debt, save, invest, and build real wealth. Join her on the journey to launch to financial freedom in, in five, four, three, two, one. Exciting news. We are giving away a copy of today's guest book. So if you want your chance to win a copy, go to journeytolaunch.com slash win for more details. Also make sure you're following me at Journey to Launch on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook to get the details. If you want the episode show notes for this episode, go to journeytolaunch.com or click the description of wherever you're listening to this episode. In the show notes, you'll get the transcribed version of the conversation, the links that we mentioned, and so much more. Also, whether you are an OG journeyer or brand new to the podcast, I've created a free jumpstart guide to help you on your financial freedom journey. It includes the top episodes to listen to, stages to go through to reach financial freedom, resources, and so much more. You can go to journeytolaunch.com slash jumpstart to get your guide right now. Okay, let's hop into the episode. Hey, 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 journeyers. I'm so excited to bring you this conversation with my friend and fellow personal finance educator, podcaster, Allison Baggerly. Allison has been on the podcast before in episode 98, where she talked about paying off over $111,000 of debt on two teachers' salaries. And now she's an author. She's written her first book, Money Made Easy. We're going to talk a little bit about that and what she's been up to since she has been on the podcast last. I believe, Allison, you were still working as a teacher when you came on the podcast. You had already started and and was growing your brand-inspired budget, and now you are a full-time entrepreneur. So I can't wait to hear about that transition and to learn what you've learned and have you have evolved with your money mindset and, and habits. So welcome back to the podcast, Allison. Thanks, Jamila. I'm so happy to be here. All right. So let's go back just a little bit. So like I said, the first time you were on the podcast, you shared your amazing story about paying off over $100,000 of debt on a teacher's salary. Well, two teacher salaries. And I love teacher stories and success stories because my husband is a teacher and no, no one knows that yet because I feel like I always say it in an interview. But <laughs> And I know I have so many teachers and educators and people within that space who listen and think, you know what, maybe the engineers and people who work in corporate America, you can reach financial independence and freedom. But me on a teacher's salary or working in public service, I cannot. And I love that you've shown that it's, it can be done. So do you want to go back a little bit? And can you just share a little bit of that backstory? Not too much because they can go back and listen to episode 98 if they really want to know all of that detail. But I do want to like talk a little bit about how you started Inspired Budget and paying off that debt in the beginning years. Absolutely. So my husband and I got married. I was 24 years old. I got married. I got pregnant. And I had a baby all at the age of 24, we became unexpectedly pregnant and realized we couldn't afford daycare payments. We were two teachers. We had six figures worth of debt. And we realized that 
if we weren't going to do it for ourselves, we had to do it for our baby, for, for Evan, who was coming into the world. So we learned how to write a budget. We paid off debt. And we did it all in four and a half years on two teacher salaries while growing our family. So we added another kid to the mix. We were paying daycare payments. And really, the goal was to just pay off debt, to just get it done and never budget again. (laughs) That was the whole plan for me because I hated budgeting. I hated working on my money. I I love spending money. I still love spending money. And during the process, I just became incredibly passionate about personal finances. So after we actually paid off that that debt, I continued to want to talk about it and think about it and write about it, anything. And so I started Inspire Budget, which allowed me to merge my skill set of teaching with my passion for personal finance together to ultimately help people who we're basically where I was years before, feeling stuck, feeling like they'll never reach where they want to go with their money. They can't take vacations. They won't be able to invest because they never learned how to manage their money wisely. So that's who I try to help on their own money journey. I love that. And you know, the thing about teachers, the talent that you guys have I really feel like you could take over the world if you wanted to. And it's such it's such a skill set in terms of being able to teach the patients to break down topics into digestible, easy to understand. Like that takes that's a skill that can be transferred to other areas. Right. If you want to be an entrepreneur selling lesson plans or talk about finance or talk about plants like really, you know, I, I just feel like not that I want you, you, work, you to work more as a teacher. I know you guys do a lot. But I just feel like there's so much opportunity if you did want to earn more money or evolve your skill sets into something else that you enjoy, like it will serve you well. So go teachers. I love that you said that because Jamila, I remember being in my like fifth year of teaching. We were still paying off debt. And every February, I would be up at 2 a.m. Googling, like, what can I do with a teaching degree? And I knew there was something different. I could never figure out what it was until I started my business, but I always thought I had to be stuck in this lane that I chose for myself. That's always what I thought. And so I love that you said that because you're right. There are so many skills that teachers have and there is a talent. So I love how you said like gardening or plants. There, like You could start an entire business teaching people how to garden in a specific area of the United States. Like it's incredible what we can do. And me stepping outside of the classroom, it completely changed our family dynamic. It completely changed really our future as well. But I do want to say that we were investing a thousand dollars a month into IRAs while we were both teachers. So we were on track in terms of our money and being able to retire well, even though we were two teachers. So if you decide to be a teacher <laughs> and stay a teacher, because we need good teachers, there is still a way for you to do that. Yeah. You know, and, and that's the thing. I know I can only speak from my experience with my husband and I think he does pretty well as a teacher, but you know, he does supplement his income. He coaches, he does other activities that allow him to earn more. And you could speak to maybe as from understanding the, the degree levels. But I know for New York City teachers, like their certifications, if you have your master's degree, like if you, you know, you, you earn as much as what you can, like, and there's a potential to earn six figures, but you just, just have to figure out what it is that you need to do to do that and get to that point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if in Texas there's a potential <laughs> to earn six figures unless you really want to go into like superintendent or principal, things like that. But 
you know, for, I think that depends on where you live, but I would say that regardless, you know, if you do have your master's, you will earn a little bit more. There can be a a ceiling though with teaching, but just because there's a ceiling and just because you don't make six figures, doesn't mean that you can't invest. A lot of teachers have pension plans, which is incredible. My husband's going to retire in 13 years with a full pension. Now, is it enough for us to both live off of? No, but it really supplements what we need. And so it kind of allows us to invest now to just know like, okay, we just need, we have half of the money coming in. We just need to be able to supplement. And that's wonderful. Honestly, it, it kind of just takes the edge off. So, um, but we were, you know, we were making probably, we were making under a hundred thousand dollars and we had kids in daycare and we were still investing a thousand dollars a month into IRAs, which would supplement that future retirement income. Right. That's a good point. And I'm glad you brought up like the cost of living and where you're located versus as opposed to us in New York City. And uh, so that's an important point to make. And for just on our end, you know, my husband's been a teacher now for, I, I, I think, over 18 years. So he's also been, you know, in the system <laughs> for a while and also will be able to retire early to have worked his way up the way he has too. So I just want to give just a shout out to the teachers because I have a special place in my heart for you. Yes. We love teachers. Because I couldn't do it. Me too. <laughs> so I did it and I don't want to go back to it. <laughs> um, all right. And the other thing you said that I love is that you said, I love spending and I still do. And I find that people find that hard to say or believe, even though we see like a lot of consumerism and people spending in the space of personal finance when you're conscious of it. Because, you know, we all have friends. I have friends and people that I know love to spend, love to shop, but they're not as conscious with their money. Like they're not reading personal finance books and or listening to blogs about this or podcasts or writing or writing, writing books about personal it. finance books. But the people who are very uh, money conscious, you don't have to be a creator, but just you, you're into money. You, you count your coins, you know, you're doing your budget. I find that it's hard for them to say they like spending money or enjoy it. It's actually, I find it, they say it's hard to enjoy spending money. So let's talk about that a little bit, how you reconcile and how you're able to bridge that together, you being such a budgeter and then you also being such a spender in the way you describe it. Absolutely. So in the past, I used to spend money based on my emotions. It was very much an emotional response. If I'm happy, I need to celebrate and go to the mall and buy something. If I'm sad, I need to drown my sorrows in you know, house decor. I would spend money based on my emotions. If I'm bored, oh, let me scroll on Amazon. Once I was able to see those patterns in myself and realize, okay, this is not healthy. It's not the way I want to be spending money. I don't want my emotions to control my money. When I was able to see that and kind of really implement other habits to replace that, like journaling, therapy, talking with someone about anything I'm going through, celebrating in other ways that don't include spending money. When I was able to do that, spending money, it stopped being this reaction and it started being me taking action. And so I love it. I get the high. Like when I spend money, I get that high. I'm like, ooh, this is good. This feels <laughs> nice. I like having new things. I like shiny things. But now I look forward to spending money on the things that really truly do bring me joy. And I'm okay with cutting out what doesn't. So whereas one person might love... um 
brand new sofa in their house that's perfect and from Pottery Barn and it looks super nice. I'm like, I'll deal with my old sofa. Take me on a trip. Let me book a trip. And so when I find that I can plan to spend money on something that really brings me joy, I can enjoy that process and not feel guilty for it. And it's not me reacting to something else. I have full control. Mm. So, and I'm hearing a lot of, you have to be proactive and intentional in, in advance. And like you said, I think a lot of times what happens is we do things in the moment and we don't have a plan of action. So, and because also you want to live, I know I want to live a life that flows easily and you can be spontaneous with. Of course. So sometimes I'm not always planning to spend money or I don't want the thing, but I have to expect that something may come up and you want to be ready for it. So how would you, in terms of being prepared to be spontaneous, how do you work that in with knowing what you want so you can budget for it, but then also being able to live in the moment? Oh my gosh. You know what we have, Jamila? We have a separate savings account that's titled Stuff We Want. And it's just something that comes up. You know, it's money that we can pull from. It's not coming from an emergency fund. It's not coming from my kids' future Christmas gifts. It's not coming from my insurance or HOA dues account. It is just stuff we want. And it's in that moment where we can make those decisions and not feel like we have to pull money out of savings or maybe we don't even want to add it to that month's budget. And what we do is if we ever have any windfalls of money, we stick it there. So we will take windfalls of money, stick it there. Like for instance, I accidentally overpaid on my taxes, my quarterly taxes last year. So this is the first time in years I got a refund and I was able to take, I'm going to take that refund and stick it there. And I'm not saying, Allison, you need to invest all of it. I'll invest some of it. Or Allison, you have to spend it on this or this or this. I'm not even telling myself I have to have a plan for it yet. I'm allowing it to just sit there and say, okay, it's there. I'm going to leave it there until I feel the need to spend it. And when I find something that might kind of come up spontaneously, I can say, okay, is this really worth spending this money or not? That's so smart because in the moment when things happen, it's also hard not to, especially if you're so focused on a goal, not to want to put it all towards a goal. If you're goal driven in that way, so should I invest all of it or save all of it? Because you never know what happens, but you have to give yourself permission to enjoy and live life. Now, if you are fine with putting it towards a financial goal and that's where you are, I think go ahead. But I think so many people are restricting themselves too much when they are on track or are are able to reach their goals. So you, you do want to make sure you're living a bit in the moment. I agree. I'm very much like a percentage-based person. We took 50% of it and we put it aside to a money goal. And the other 50%, we are leaving it there for now. We don't have this pressure on ourselves to make a decision right now. It can sit in a high-yield savings account. And if later on we decide, okay, you know what? We do want to invest it all or we do want to save up for this thing, we can. Or if we do want to take an extra vacation this summer, a little getaway, we can. I love having that there. And I don't feel pressure to make a decision right away, which in the past, I think I would have felt that way. Yeah. Now you mentioned a few accounts just now. You said your HOA account, then you said do whatever you want account. So from just a practical day-to-day way that you handle money, what is 
what's your method? I know everyone is different. Some people prefer, you know, I definitely, I recommend having at least a separate savings account, right? Where that's not commingled with your spending money. But some people have a lot of different checking accounts and name them at their different banks and some don't. So what, how do you and your husband manage money? What does your banking situation look like? Oh, I love this because I think it's fun to like hear the true details. Like, let's not talk about like, well, maybe if or hypotheticals. No, let's get down into it. So I do talk about this in chapter seven of my book, Money Made Easy, where I talk about sinking funds. But the way my husband and I manage money is we've been married since I was 24 years old. So everything is joint for us. I think that if I were to like have gotten married later on in life, maybe I wouldn't have made everything joint but it works for us. I'm not a, I'm not against separate accounts. But everything is joint and we have automatic transfers. I'm big on automatically transferring money out because I like to spend money and if it's sitting in my checking account, I will spend it. I will find something to spend it on. I have no issues finding things to buy. So, we have money immediately sent to Ally High Yield Savings account where we have the bucket set up. So, For us, it's what emotionally is most stressful for us throughout the year. And for our family, that comes out to Christmas. HOA dues, because our HOA dues come out every year at January. They're $1,300 a year. Flood insurance comes out every summer because we live in an area that might flood. So we we have extra flood insurance. And then vacations. So what we do is I have an automatic transfer that comes out. It sends $175 to Christmas every month, $175 to that HOA flood insurance. I don't have to think about it. It happens two days after I'm paid. So there's no way I'm going to spend all that money. It's gone. So I don't have it. Then we do have a separate emergency fund that has about six months worth of just necessary expenses in it. That's also, most of that's in a high yield savings account and we keep about $5,000 in a standard savings account connected to our bank. Because with when you are moving things across different accounts, it could take several business days. So we wanna have about five grand that we can grab and touch quickly if something happens. So we have that. We try to keep it as simple as we can because to me, the... The more accounts I have, sometimes it just complicates things and I don't want to have to think hard about my money. I want to be able to open up my apps, look, know what I have, and then just say, okay, if something happens with we have a plumbing issue, that's just going to come out of our emergency fund. It doesn't come out of a separate home maintenance account. It just comes out of our emergency fund. Same thing for car maintenance. My husband needs new tires. It just comes out of our emergency fund. And then we refill that. Yeah. Love that you shared that. So thank you. Um, The mechanics of how the money flows for you and how you're saving. I want to talk a little bit about budgeting because I know the power of a budget. It's funny. I didn't remember this, but before I changed the name of my blog. So I started Journey to Launch first as a blog. But do you want to know what the name of it was first? It wasn't Journey to Launch. What? Yes. (laughs) Journey to Budget? No, almost. Almost. It It was called (laughs) Mrs. Budget Fab. So my first blog was called Mrs. Budget Fab. And then I changed it to Journey to Launch because I felt like that more incorporated and encompassed what I wanted to do and what I was doing. But that should tell you that that is how important I knew and saw what budgeting was to my goal of reaching financial independence. Because when I started it, that was my goal, to reach financial independence. 
And I was using budgeting as a way to keep me accountable. I was really, I was, do, you know, I was excited about it. But I will admit that as I've gotten further along in my financial journey, and I, t- I talk about this in my book and how you have to be flexible with budgeting, but I admit now that for me, I do not find budgeting the way I did it in the past enjoyable, or I don't, I don't find it necessary to do it as often or as intensely as I did it in the beginning. And yeah, so that's my big confession, my budget confession. No, I love that. (laughs) But you know what? That's that is so amazing to me. Do you want to know why, Jamila? Because that tells me that in the past, money was stressful and you felt like you didn't have control. And now it's no longer stressful. You have set yourself up to where there is flexibility and freedom. Yeah. So here's the thing. So it was my situation that caused me to need a budget because I did not like my job and my commute. I wanted to get out. I I needed to find a way out and and making sure I knew where my money is going and investing it was the way to go. And to do that, I had to budget. And so that's where I feel, and this is why I feel like I do feel budgets are important and necessary, especially if you're in the beginning stages and or if you're in a situation that you want to change financially. Like the budget is going to help you get there. But I want to talk for you, like you... You're a tried and true budgeter. So you, your, your name of your brand is Inspired Budget. You started out budgeting intensely. It, it sounds like that's what you do and you're still doing it versus me. You know, like I was able to kind of let off the gas a bit and I'm still res- looking at my money and, and, and budgeting in a sense. But talk about, I don't know, the different ways that people can look at budgeting. Cause maybe someone's like a try, a tried and true budgeter like you and they're going to do it no matter if they're a millionaire, you know, they're going to budget or maybe they're like me and they're like, you know what? I, I can see myself being like a Jamila one day where I actually don't like the budget, but I'm doing it to get to this position. And then actually I won't do it as much. So can we just talk about budgeting in this way? Absolutely. Yes. So I started out very much like you. I was budgeting and I hated it. I remember thinking, I'm going to do this for this period of time until I reach this goal. And then I'm never going to write a budget again. That was my whole plan. Like (laughs) this whole inspired budget business, writing a finance book, doing anything like this. This was not in the cards for me. This was a shock. This was a pivot that no one saw coming. And I found that budgeting gave me control that I didn't feel like I had. I mean, if you think about it, you started budgeting because you had a lack of control. Your lack of control might not have been your income. Your lack of control was your job and your time and having ownership over that and being in a position where you had to commute, what, like three hours a day? Wasn't it like that crazy, some crazy number? So really, it's a... It is a tool to help you find control, whether that's financial control, time control, control over your house, anything. And once you have really gotten that budget down and you're in a place now where you can ease up, you start thinking, okay, do I really need to have this much control? What if I just have these kind of this flexibility because I've set myself up to have money and savings to cover these things and you don't have to think about it as much? That's fine. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. For me, I still budget and I still like to budget because I'm, I'm weird. <laughs> I'm, I'm weird, but it's that like, I enjoy the details and the process of it like that. I am a very detailed person and it brings me joy. So I think that, but whereas my husband, it doesn't. He, 
started out strong and he's kind of like you. He's just like, oh, it's going to work out. <laughs> but why will, why does he feel like that? It's because we've put ourselves in a different position financially where you can ease off the break. It's not bad. And the key is that, Jamila, if something were to change in your life where you felt like I do have a goal I'm working towards or something did happen, you would go back to probably budgeting more detail-oriented because you know that that's what's going to work. That's the tool that's going to get you there. So it's really about using the tool, the plan, the intentional plan that gets you to where you want to be. And a detailed budget helps you meet that goal and be very conscious. But if you don't always need that, you don't always need the detailed budget. It's okay to think of it in terms of percentages and spending money and having just like a, oh, we can't spend over $1,000 on food or else like there's a red flag type situation. Yeah. And that's why it's so personal and you have to adapt it to where you are currently and your motivations. So I love that we were able to talk a little bit about that. Have you ever wondered how on earth your friend bought their home or why your coworker meticulously splits the tab down to the last Diet Coke? Other People's Pockets is a show about other people's money. Host Maya Lau asks people from all walks of life to get radically transparent about their personal finances in actual dollar amounts. You'll hear from a dominatrix who gets paid to bully men at the ATM, an elite scientist who couchsurfed to survive, a business prodigy who flipped his services from drugs to dumbbells and more. You can find Other People's Pockets wherever you get podcasts. Now, you mentioned your husband's a teacher. He only has, I think you said like 13 years left until. Yes. So you were a teacher. We mentioned this. So, and you now are a full-time entrepreneur. So talk about making that decision to leave your pension behind and work on Inspired Budget full-time. How did you prepare yourself financially for that? What were those conversations like with your husband? Mm -hmm. Well, when I started Inspire Budget, I gave myself this five-year goal. It was like five years. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be out. And I ended up leaving in two years. And I'm not going to lie to you. I'm going to be very honest. I probably, it was a risk. We took a risk. I had a quit teaching fund. It was a savings account. Just quit teaching. And any money I made from Inspire Budget really got funneled into there. And when we, when I left teaching, it was truly because my marriage was on the brink of divorce, if I'm being 100% honest with you. Teaching full-time, raising a family, and trying to start this business, I was not present. I was not a present mom. I was not a present wife. I was all in. I, we ended up in therapy. It was really hard. And at one point, my husband turned to me and said, we either need to, you, you either need to leave one of your jobs or we need to get a divorce. Like this is not working. And I was like, okay, I'm leaving teaching. And so we set out. We really put faith in my business and it was very scary because having him making, you know, 60, $60, $65,000 was not enough for us to continue living the even even honestly modest lifestyle we were living. So I had to make money. And it, it was rocky. It was very much a roller coaster that was very difficult for our family to get used to going from this very stable, consistent income. You get paid the same amount once a month. We knew exactly down to the penny how much we would make. 
it was hard going to having only half of that known. And then the other half, it felt like there were ups and downs and twists and turns. And it wasn't until years later that there was more of a consistency in my income. And I started paying myself a salary and truly started earning more than my husband and really truly being the breadwinner of the family, which I don't know about you, Jamila, it unlocks some serious like nerves in me being like, oh my gosh, I have to provide. There's lots of pressure. And and it unlocked some feelings in my husband too of, of pride and ego. And so it's been a beautiful journey of seeing how as your situation in your life changes, we don't have to stick by the thoughts we had about money in the past. We can evolve and change with our beliefs just like our situations evolve and change. So that was a lot. <laughs> that was a lot, but it was great. Thank you for sharing and being so vulnerable there because you just talked about having kind of to make this decision between leaving a job. Like he said, you know, because you're doing too much. Like we, we had to, in order to be together, like we have to find a way to have more time, energy together. So it sounds like he always supported the business because you were, you made no. the, Oh, he didn't. Okay. So that, I guess that's where, because if I were, were him, right. And I'm like, well, leave a job. I'm, I'm going to hope that you say, oh, leave the side hustle because your, because your main job is also what helps bring us stability and income. Yeah, no, he he was not always supportive of Inspired Budget. I think that if I'm being very honest, and he would come on and say this, I don't think he would have years ago, but he saw me starting a business as a reaction to him not making enough for me to stop teaching. In his mind, now that was not true, but in his mind, the thought process was, Allison started Inspired Budget because I could not provide the life we, she wanted. And that's that's not true. And one day he told me that and I was like, you're making this all about you and it's not about you. I started Inspired Budget because it's a passion of mine. It's not a reaction to you and your feelings about yourself and your money. And it's very normal for us to do that because we're, you know, we're just human beings, we're self-centered people. That's just natural. And so it was it was a a four-letter word in our house for a while. He didn't understand it. He has no desire to ever start a business. He didn't understand why and how and how much I loved it and was pouring myself into it. And it wasn't his to understand, but it was his to have to accept as his wife that that's what I wanted to do. And so through counseling, we were able to get through that hurdle, ma massive hurdle in our marriage. Um, and now actually he he's a contractor of my business. He edits my podcast episodes. He's a 1099 contractor. So so he he is now fully in that supportive role. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad that you were able to stand up for yourself and what you wanted and stand your ground and have him rise to the occasion to support you. I love that for you. I love that for women. Or And so many of us, especially when you're partnered up, with someone, you know, I consider myself very independent. Like I'm going to do what I want to yeah. do. <laughs> and you're either, <laughs> either going to get on board or you're not. Right. But I would, at, so it, but my husband's personality, thank God, this is part of the reason I married him is because we allow each other autonomy and we respect each other. And he respects me and trusts me to live my life. Just like I trust and respect that he will make the decisions he needs to make for his life. So we didn't have that friction. Like, 
he and I, and um, which probably puts a little blinders on for me in terms of, like, I never felt pressure or uh, angst from him about what I was doing for like a business. Cause he met me and I was always doing the most. I was always doing a lot. <laughs> Even, you know, we met at 19 years old and I was just very ambitious and doing a lot. So I, I think he saw that in me anyway, but sometimes you can uh, forget that for some people, like if their partner is not understanding or comes to, has a different mindset about money. Cause although my husband also has no desire to be an entrepreneur, he's just like, when I came to him and talked about like financial independence and retiring early, he was like, what? Like he doesn't understand. Like he's just, at first he didn't understand it, but he was just like, do what you have to do. Cause I was the one with the crazy commute. And, you know, even though I was earning more, so that was the conversation we had to have because it would have impact us as a family us, you know, me walking away from my job, but it was an easier decision for me because I didn't have him to like worry about emotionally, but I can imagine like for you, like, you know, that, and for some people listening, it's like, they're considering like starting a business and, or want to leave their job, but now they have to consider someone else who impacts how they make that decision. Exactly. And it was really hard. And I really dove into Inspire Budget. And to be honest, I didn't do a good job of taking his feelings into consideration. I own that part. There were mistakes made on both ends. I just dove in head first and I was just like, I'm going to do it and I don't care. Kind of like how you mentioned. And what I never did was I never checked in. I never had any check-in points to say, oh, by the way, I'm doing this because it's really important to me. I was just busy and not around <laughs> and just working constantly. So there was never that communication. And through therapy and counseling, and unpacking everything that had been pushed down for years, we were able, he was able to realize like, oh, this has nothing to do with me or our kids or, or what I'm providing. And it truly is just what she wants. But that took time and effort and energy and there was pain to unpack. Um, but it can be done. And I'm, I'm a big proponent in that and getting and getting like a third party in there to help with that because it was a lot. It was a big life change for us. I mean, massive life change, something we, neither of us were ever used to. We don't have family that are entrepreneurs. We never knew what this world was like. So it was scary and different. And investing in, like you said, the tools like necessary, like budgeting in for counseling and therapy and knowing that, I mean, we already have our own, stuff to unpack as an individual, like, you know, like you can just be by yourself and emotionally just going through it. And so add another person to the mix, then add kids to the mix and like navigating, like and bringing people along with you and making sure they also, like you said, feel equal. So while I'm very, like I had mentioned before, you know, I'm going to do what I want to do, but it's, I also give my husband the space and it's not just about me. Right. And like what I want, I have to give him that same respect too. And so it's, it's just very important and it's not easy. So if maybe if you're going through a trying time or like that shaky ground with someone, I think as long as the other person is willing to work on it, whether on, on themselves or together, then there's hope potentially that, you know, you'll get to common ground. Yes. And I will say that going through therapy and dealing with those things, it costs money. I mean, it was expensive. And we actually paused our extra retirement contributions to help cover the cost of therapy. And we were just really struggling. So we weren't making dinners at home. We were just picking up food. Our Everything kind of increased in expenses. And so it's okay to have to pause your goals and make adjustments to your finances when 
like shit hits the fan, essentially. That's okay. I think so often we give ourselves a lot of a lot of guilt and shame and we beat ourselves up about maybe having to make changes and pivot a little bit, but it's totally okay to do those things. So during that process, we did that. We, I mean, obviously we were still contributing to our pension because we didn't have a choice as teachers, but we weren't contributing to an IRA for several months because our marriage, our family's health, all of that, our mental health had to be put first in that time um, for it to work out. And we saw that and knew it and accepted it and didn't give either one of us a hard time for having to just stop, really stop everything for a moment to get our lives straight. Yeah. Adjust when necessary. That's what the money is for, <laughs> right? Like this is what we're working towards and we're, which is why I talk about freedom being unlocked at every level, no matter if if you have debt or not, or if you're still just starting investing, but there's life, like you're living a life and it's not black and white where, you, you know, sometimes you, you need to pivot and switch your intention so you can make sure you're fully healthy, informed, um, at peace, or at least working towards that so you can make better decisions so you can get to those other goals. Yes. I call that a plot twist. We always reserve to the right to throw a plot twist. It's your life, but you can throw a plot twist anytime you want. I love that. So as an entrepreneur now, where you are talking about money, here's a question I have since I've experienced this as I pivoted is I was so focused on my own finances. I was on it every day, you know, checking the accounts, budgeting. And then when I switched to be, have this be my full-time thing and I, I talk about it more with other people, I was helping other people when I was coaching and having other programs you can sometimes forget about like your own stuff because you're so focused on everyone else. So did that ever happen for you? Like, how did you pivot now to become a full-time entrepreneur talking about budgeting and then still making sure that your family was okay financially and keeping up with your own financial habits and principles and then how your money mindset evolved? Like, how did that all work as you were transitioning? Well, really, for me, I... I enjoy working on my own finances and I have found that if I do it at the same time every day, I'm more likely to follow through and be consistent with it. So I work on my money every morning before I even work on my business, before I help anyone else with their money and help helping make money easy for them. I have to do my own work. Hold that thought because now I have another question. What does that look like for you when you are checking in with your money every day? <laughs> oh, Oh, let me tell you, it's my favorite time of the day. So I really, and when I say every day, I, I don't do it on the weekends. I'm not going to work on this on the weekends. It's not my jam. What I do is every day I take my kids to school. I come home. I'm usually home by 8 a.m. I sit down with my coffee. I update, I update my spreadsheets. I update everything. I get clear. I check my checking account, my credit cards. And really, I do this kind of both for my business and myself. Like if there's a balance on a credit card, I usually like to pay off my credit cards every Friday. So I never carry a balance. So I might pay off a credit card. I might just kind of check. And then um, it usually takes five minutes. I mean, literally, it's so quick. It's so fast. If there's something that I'm like, oh, I need to have this conversation with Matt, I'll jot it down on a sticky note so we can talk about it later on that night at dinner or on the weekend, we have a Sunday date night where we, well, I call it a date night. It's a date night for me because we talk about money. <laughs> he 
he probably is like, oh, again. But we have our <laughs> Sunday night meeting, so I might just jot something down so I can approach it later on. I'm not texting him in the middle of the day while he's trying to work. So I do that, and then I have my coffee. I listen to my music. I sit in this pink chair to do it all, and then I journal, and then I start my day at 8.30. So I really have this like 20 to 30-minute time period to get my money in the right spot get my mindset in the right spot before I start my day. And I look forward to that every single day. You know, I love that because a lot of people talk about money, morning routines. And I know like the whole spiritual and peaceful mornings, you know, whether that's like praying and meditating, you know, getting your coffee quiet, no social media. But I'd like, I'd love to see more of, let's just add like a five minute financial piece to that, a financial check-in. Like that, that is part I mean, money is is so impactful and necessary to everything we do that it should be a part. If you have a, a routine, a morning routine, it's like to tack in five minutes of what you just said to just make sure at least you know what's going on. And I do love the idea of like sticky notes and saving, tabling conversations for later because sometimes you can like find something out and then want to just reach out to your partner or try to fix it right away, and you're not in the headspace or your. You don't know what the headspace they're in to get that done. And it just may ruin their day and or your day trying to figure it out. So tabling it to say, all right, I'm going to note this and come back to it when I know I have a time to figure it out and do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I don't know what he's doing. And I don't want him to interrupt my workday with some random thing that is not even on my mind and gets me thrown off. So literally just writing it down allows me to just say, I'm closing this loop in my mind. I don't have to worry about it anymore. I will get back to it. And then if I'm really scared, I'm going to forget to talk to him about it. And it's really important. I did this today. I set a timer to go off on my phone at 5.30 when I know he's going to be home and it just says, Matt, conversation or whatever the topic is. So that way I don't forget and then only remember it the next day when he's gone again and I'm sitting down for five minutes. So I'll set a little reminder on my phone to just an alarm to go off. Oh, I love that. Now, okay, before I cut you off, you were explaining just the way you were evolving and talking about money or thinking about money in your as you became a business owner and entrepreneur. Yeah, I mean, Going into this more variable income, it was really stressful. It rocked our world. We did not do a good job, honestly, for probably about the first year of me being a full-time entrepreneur. We did not do a good job of giving myself any sort of like consistency. <laughs> it was just like, oh, you made a lot of money. Okay, let's spend it. And oh gosh, you didn't make, it, didn't make enough money. So there was this learning curve. And and I think that's okay. Just even though I was a money expert and I talk about this all the time, when you apply it to your life there and you're doing it in the moment, there's going to be a learning curve. So we had this learning curve. And once I became truly like a salary employee of my business, it became a lot more steady. But then what threw us for a loop and really what threw my husband for a loop was the fact that I started making a lot more money than him. And it it was hard on his ego. And then in, it also put pressure on me that I never had because we refinanced to a 15-year mortgage, which was very exciting, but it increased our monthly payment. And so anytime we take on any more lifestyle creep, we have to be really mindful because then I have to ask myself, wait a minute, do I want to be on the line to have to do this? Because my husband makes the same amount every month and he he can't make more. And I really don't want him going out and getting a side hustle and making more. Like, to be honest, I'd rather just make more for us. But 
it has put this really weird pressure on both of us that we've had to navigate. And that was very unexpected. Mm, you know, for the way that you're, you once had money coming in consistently, and then at least I experienced that too. And then it's variable learning how to budget your business money is different. I mean, it's very similar to personal money, but it's a little different too, right? Um, and so getting to a place where you could pay yourself consistently and then now expect, you know, no matter how much I make, I get paid this. So is there a, a way that you budget for your business? I I use like the profit first method loosely. Do you use that? And maybe if you do know what that is, you can explain uh, a bit or I can explain what that is for anyone who doesn't know. Yes, I do use the profit first method kind of loosely. I change up my own percentages, but it's essentially where you look at the gross revenue that your business makes. So let's say $100,000 just for easy numbers. Your your business makes $100,000. You're going to set aside a certain percentage every month into paying yourself, giving yourself a profit, which will in turn be like a quarterly bonus for you, paying your operating expenses and setting aside money for taxes. So I am a very risk averse person when it comes to money. And so what I was doing, Jamila, was I was like looking at profit first and being like, I know that you're an expert in this. And I know these are the percentages that you recommend, but I'm afraid I'm going to have to owe a lot of taxes and I'm going to, I'm just going to, I'll go to jail because I won't be able to pay my taxes. So I was setting aside probably 10% more into taxes savings than he recommended. So I, it's interesting for me to look at my mindset and money fears and how I've adapted that system. But then now that I've seen like, oh my gosh, Allison, you really oversaved and you even overpaid because you're so scared it's kind of like, okay, you can ease up a little bit. And so even the way that I have managed my money inside my business has changed. I also have a full-time employee. And I'm like, okay, like me and her, we're the last to go. I don't want to do this alone. I rely on her so much. Matt knows if something happens to my business, you're getting the ax first. Like I have like my, my things, like kind of my things, but it's setting myself up to where if I do have a lower income month that I'm not freaking out and feeling like, okay, I'm going to have to let go of, of my amazing team. I don't want to have to do that. So it's building up money and savings and making sure I'm just spending less, but it is totally different than working on your personal finances. And it's been a learning curve for sure. It is. I mean, I'm still learning myself too. And that happens to me, like I will oversave for taxes. But the way I think about it is, Whatever, once I pay that quarterly tax, any money that's left over, I then transfer over to profit or to do whatever I want with it. So that's the way I consider it. Versus though, sometimes it feels like, well, if I know that I would have had this money over time, like then I could have spent it then versus waiting. So I just think it's a matter of how you prefer if you kind of like your own windfall, creating your own windfall and realizing it as a windfall versus easing up and maybe spending or saving it in another way. All right, Allison, let's talk a little bit more about your book. I'm so excited for you. Tell everyone when it's coming out. I believe it's going to, this This will release that same week, this episode, so people will be able to purchase. But I want to hear more about the book, more about why it was so important for you to write it, and then where everyone can find it. Of course. So it is coming out April 4th. You can buy it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, pretty much wherever you get your books. And really, I wrote it because when I was going through my journey, I felt like the only books out there, the only content out there was basically, if you want to get better with your money, number one, you suck. 
because you weren't good with it before. What's wrong with you? And number two, you can't enjoy your life. And I always left these books feeling just kind of crappy about myself and realized that I, I, that's not how you have to feel when we talk about money. And the more we feel like that, the more resistant we are to actually working on our money, even when you're in a healthy place financially. So I wrote this book to really give people options to choose a way to manage their money that is unique to them. Personal finance is just that. It's personal. So what worked for me won't work for you, Jamila, and will also work for your listener. So it's less of a here's exactly what you need to do and more of a choose your own adventure. Here are some options available to you. Find what works for you and your family when it comes to writing a budget that works, saving money, paying off debt, dealing with impulse spending and getting started with investing. Love it. And what about where they can find you on socials? Oh, yes. So I am at Inspire Budget on Instagram and TikTok. And then of course, if you like listening to podcasts, I have my own podcast as well. Jamila has been on it. Um, the Inspired Budget Podcast. Oh, and make sure I'll put all this in the episode show notes. If you do enjoy this episode, you got a nugget, you laughed, you <laughs> cried. Okay, maybe not cried. <laughs> Take that screenshot of you listening. Uh, at Journey to Launch is my Instagram and at Inspired Budget. Yep. We'd love to see that. Thank you so much again, Allison. No problem. Talk to you later. Oh, don't forget, we are giving away a copy of this week's guest book. So if you want your chance to win, go to journeytolaunch.com slash win for more details. And make sure you're following me at Journey to Launch on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Don't forget, you can get the episode show notes for this episode by going to journeytolaunch.com or click the description of wherever you're listening to this. And you can still grab your jumpstart guide for free to help you on your journey to financial freedom by going to journeytolaunch.com slash jumpstart. If you want to support me and the podcast and love the free content and information that you get here, here are four ways that you can support me in the show. One, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast wherever you listen, whether that's Apple Podcasts, that purple app on your phone, your Android device, YouTube, Spotify, wherever it is that you happen to listen, just subscribe so you are not missing an episode. And if you're happening to listen to this in Apple Podcasts, rate, review, and subscribe there. I appreciate and read every single review. Number two, follow me on my social media accounts. I'm at Journey to Launch on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And I love, love, love interacting with journeyers there. Three, support and check out the sponsors of this show if you hear something that interests you. Sponsors are the main ways we keep the podcast lights on here. So show them some love for supporting your girl. Four, and last but not least, share this episode, this podcast with a friend or family member or coworker so that we can spread the message of Journey to Launch. All right, that's it. Until next week, keep on journeying, journeyers. Journeyers.